0: Welcome to a Boxing Insider Special. We're here for part two of our exclusive interview with Frank Warren. And in this part, we speak all about that iconic trilogy between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss out on the fireworks that are coming in part three. And it was quite incredible, Tyson's third fight back, <laughs> fighting in LA, to, to win back at a world title. But I want to take you back to that moment in the 12th round where it did look like Deontay Wilder had put Fury to sleep. What was your reaction at that time? What were you thinking? Well,
1: just before it happened, we, where we were sitting, Shelley Finkel and, and all of Deontay's crew were to the left of us and we're sitting there. And I'm looking at them and looking at the fight. And up until that moment, Tyson had been down earlier on in the fight. Brief, brief knockdown, but he got up and he was winning the fight. He was well in front on any card. He was well in front and winning that fight. And suddenly, I can't, I was looking at them and their jaws were on the floor. But They ended around, they knew that his hand was going to be put up. And then, bang, he got caught. And, he, and the way he went down, he got caught with another two, two or three shots on the way down. And he's a big puncher, Deontay. Well, he's a dangerous sod. I mean, at any moment in the fight, he's dangerous. And bang, he was on his back. I stood up, everybody stood up. They're all going crazy, all the wilder people to my left. And I stood up and I thought, you know what, you got that wrong. I, I, you know, it, it's just like, I do not say it was careless, whatever it was, got it wrong. I didn't think he was going to get up. I swear to God, I didn't think he was going to get up. And what happened prior to the fight, the referee came, goes to each of the boxers' dressing room. And what he said to the referee, he said, if either of you go down, if you get up before the count of 10, I'm going to look at you. I'm going to say walk to the right, two or three paces to the right or to the left. I'm going to look at you again, and then I'll decide whether you can fight on or not. That's what the referee. Good referee, Jay. He's on the floor counting. I thought, and I'm thinking it's all over. They're running to the ring. They're near, nearly up the steps. All of them running to the ring, and he suddenly, like Robo, is it Robocoff or whatever it is, whose eye flickered and come up. He sort of started getting up. I thought, Jesus, he got up. I don't know how he got to his feet. Referee looked at him, whatever side he told him to walk to, he did that, come back, looked at him again, and fight on. And Tyson took the fight to him. By the end of the round, oh, sorry, I missed a very you know, for me, another significant moment of the fight. When he was down, he's doing the cutthroat thing while Deontay, he's like doing the old thing with his throat, he's you know, like that him and sort of thing. When he got up. His jaw, well, I tell you what, it, it didn't get didn't hit the floor. It hit his knees. He was shocked. He got up, and what was saying it. He then took the fight to him. By the end of the round, he was on top. He had him all over the place at the end of the round, and you know it's brilliant. And we all run to the ring. His two brothers, there, really, you know, they're lovely, lovely blokes. his brothers read out the, you know, the uh, announcer caused calls the fight. I thought he won it. Everybody there thought he won it. I know Deontay Wilder's crew thought he won it. Um, and, you know, as luck, you know, ironically, it was the British judge who gave it a draw. Anyway, so um, they're going crazy. Yeah, you know, you've been robbed. I said, look, because it's pointless. You can scream and shout as much as you like. You can't change anything. You're not going to do it. A goal's a goal. You know, you're playing football. That's a goal. You know, it's a proper goal. It's a goal. No one's going to change it. It is what it is. You get sent off, you're off. And they're not going to change that result and uh i said All oh, calm down i said he's got a draw everyone knows he's won it you know he's he's back he's not lost it and that's the way we had to look at the best situation we went back to the dressing room and he was like because he was you know, it was a bit of a shot he took in that you know in that that last round and i said to him I said how'd you get up i said I, I don't know how you how you done it you know saying how it is he went i was lying now he said I was awake. He said, I weren't knocked out. but I was lying there. I couldn't feel my legs. He said, if I'd got up, I'd have been falling all over the place and the referee would have stopped it. He said, but I, I, I waited so I could get some feeling back in my legs. Then I got up, which was about six or seven. And then did what you know, what we said the referee did. What we said. And I thought to myself, I looked at him, I thought, had anybody taken such a punch like that in, in the 12th round in a bloody tough, tough fight? You know, you've been out the ring all this time, and a couple of you know, knockover warm ups. How you got the presence of mind to do that? But he did have because he's very smart, I think
0: a lot of people immediately wanted the rematch straight away because they felt that Fury had won. And I think Fury deserves a lot of credit for the way he carried himself yeah. after that because everybody felt he'd won and he managed to sort of calm the situation because Correct. people were very unhappy. He had those two fights in Vegas. Then we had the rematch and it was far more conclusive that
1: time around. Well, it was. And you know, and I felt, I mean, well, I remember we made, I said you know—I said earlier on, I thought Tyson would win it in the second fight. I was convinced he could stop him. Absolutely convinced that he could stop Deontay, and the first bell of that fight, Deontay, you know, lead up to the, fr- the first fight, the press conferences, Tyson was all the time getting in his head. One minute he was really his best mate, then he turned on him, and he didn't know where, he didn't know where he was coming or going. But he smelled it out in the second fight, so he started being at the press conference. He was less you know engaging with Tyson and so forth.
0: And that's the story in itself that the way their relationship changed from their first meeting in Belfast yeah. until what eventually happened at the end of the trilogy.
1: Exactly. Exactly and and, and you know those press conferences because Tyson's a smart guy. He does get he get he does get he, you know he, he doesn't miss a trick. If he, if he can spot a little crack or a flaw or any in he's in there. He's in there. And the, and the, and the second fight, you know we went through you know the press conference stuff and everything. And the second fight, it was just, it was, you know, he'd done better than I thought he'd do. I knew he'd, I, knew he, I said he'd stop him, but he went out and it was like the end of the 12th round, the continu- continu- continuation of that into the first round. It was exactly the same. Jumped on him. Wilder caught him a couple of times because Tyson was on the front foot. He wasn't, wasn't counter-punching. He took, he took the fight to him. And he got clipped a couple of times and took the shots. But you could see he was getting to him. And he was hurting him, and I mean, I mean, just I mean, when I say he destroyed him, and he knocked him down with a with a body shot that put him across the ring. If you watch it back, it's I mean, it's amazing, and he and he just I mean, it was emphatic, and it showed yet another dimension. And you know what the clever thing was about it? What no one picked up on because he changed his trainer.
0: How important do you think that was? Because Ben I, did a huge amount of work to, to get him back in a position where he could fight again, but then Sugar Hill Stewart just took him maybe to to a different level, a different style for that second fight.
1: Ben took him... Ben done well on first. You know, he was, lived with him. He was living with him and he was training with him every day, helping to get his weight down. He did all of that. But in a second fight... And, I, and you know, when they split up... I don't like splitting up winning teams, but when they split, I thought myself... I didn't say anything because I know he's a smart guy at Tyson. I said, you sure? I know what I'm doing and, he, and everybody's like, everybody was saying he's mad, why, why are you doing this but he picked the right guy because it was for the style he needed the trainer, for the style of the fighter he was fighting and he got it dead right and that was to go out and be offensive you know, a real old time cronk fighter you know, get out there, jump on him and that's what he did he, that, and that was Tyson's move He didn't. no one said to him, why don't you do this that was what he decided to do
0: For many people, it was such an emphatic victory that it was felt that that chapter was closed. Yes, there was that rematch clause for Deontay Wilder, but but talks were going on about a potential fight with with Anthony Joshua, and at one point, it almost felt like it was announced. How close were we to to seeing that fight before eventually the arbitration ruled in Wilder's favour and we had the third fight?
1: For me, you know, what what happened, all parties concerned signed something saying there'd be no discussions about anything with the press unless we all mutually agree what we're going to say. And, you know, within 24 hours, um, my PR man at Matram was out saying what was what, and this is on, and and it was all getting peed off about it because there was an arbitration. They were aware of that because it was in the document that we signed, between all of us, saying there is an arbitration. It wasn't hidden from anybody. It was, it was knowledge. Everybody knew it. And what I, for me, with these things, what you don't want to do is upset the arbitrator. He's the guy who's going to make the decision at the end of the day. So that's why when I was being asked all the time, no comment, no comment, and it was you know madness to be saying anything. And they made that, uh, and you know the terms were terms were all agreed. They were agreed financially. Everything was agreed, but. They had a contract, and I wanted to negotiate with. I spoke to Shelley a couple of times. Said, so "Let's try and sort this out." But
0: anyway, it got the. I'm not going to get and into that. Was too in much. regards to a potential step aside deal for Wilder. Yeah,
1: while. It, it, and I think we could have done it, but it got there was too many issues going on behind the scenes, and in the end, just let let we let it take its. Well, it was let take its course, and the arbitrator was... no doubt about it. And if I and if I'd have been the other side, every one of those comments that were made and what Herm kept putting out and what was being said I'd be sending them to the arbitrator you see what they're they're disrespecting you you shouldn't be you know this shouldn't be happening we've got this here this has got to be decided and that was where it was and in the end the arbitrator I mean he was I think the arbitrator went too strong but I know why he went too strong because you know obviously he, he was paid off with it and he did what he had to do so the fight was on, and we, we, you know, for want of a better word, they had to bite the bullet and get on with it.
0: And the fans were slightly underwhelmed at the time because British fans did want that fight between Joshua and Fury, but that fight certainly delivered when we had it. How do you reflect now on, on the trilogy that we did see between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder?
1: I think that uh, most trilogies. I mean, it's been, you know, the Ali, Frazier were brilliant. Two of them were brilliant fights. One was pretty average. One of them. With Tyson, all the three fights, they are all different types of fights, and they were all brilliant. In whatever way you want to look at it, they were all brilliant fights to watch. Going into the fight, Tyson was on a hiding for nothing, because everybody thought he's going to walk through this after what he'd done to him in the second fight. I knew he had to do something different, and I'm thinking, what can he do any different? He can't outbox Tyson, but that first round he come out and he was come out very low and he was throwing those jabs to the body. And he is a dangerous sod. And at the end, and you know, and the, you know and he caught Tyson. We all know and he went, you know, twice in one round down. But Tyson showed what he's all about, dug deep, and it was brilliant. But it takes two fighters to make a great fight, not one fight. You have got to take your hat off as well to to Deontay. I mean, he give every. He was out on his feet, and in my opinion, that fight could have been stopped a couple of rounds earlier. But he's dangerous at any time, as we've seen. He throws that. He's, he throws punches from unorthodox angles and if he catches you bingo anything can happen
0: so that was part two of our exclusive interview with frank warren if you missed the first part then click the link in the top right corner and part three there are fireworks ahead so like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing
2: This is George Priestman behind the gloves, and like to be joined by Matthew Macklin. How are we doing today, sir? Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Good stuff. We're in obviously St James's Park in Newcastle for the Savannah Marshall press conference. Um, box had a cool. really good start. i mean also had some great big events of Brooke Khan and and obviously um, this one as well. And every time Savannah's box, it's been a bit of an event. I mean, is this about as, as good as it gets for her before the Shields fight now?
3: I think so. Yeah, she's um, she's uh, getting good momentum, hasn't she? She was out here. Bucks to peep before Christmas. Um, you know, um, I think she... Her confidence is coming now. I think we, know, we knew she was talented. She was very. She achieved a lot as an amateur, but I think it took her a while for her to just really start believing in herself. And I think you know that now that's kicked in. Uh, you know, the performances have gone to another level. How tough a test is this on Saturday night? Because we know that
2: she's her opponents only lost her uh, at the world title level, um, and obviously we know there's the, the, the carrot being dangled for for the Karissa Shields fight. How important is it to to put in a good performance as well as get the win?
3: Yeah, well, she'll want that going in. The Clarissa Shield fight is next. I mean, first of all, she has to win Saturday and when there's a fight already agreed, it, you know, it's it's hard not to lose focus, you know, it's hard hard not to look past it, but she can't afford to do that because, um, you know, Herman is European champion, she's former world champion as well, so, you know, it's... It, she's she's very uh you know she's a a real challenge you know for for savannah that said i think if savannah performs the way she has been recently she'll definitely win it and if she wins and looks good and wins in style then her confidence going into the clarissa shields fight will be where it needs to be yeah talk to me about that
2: the potential like then obviously you're not you're not in that in that fight so you're allowed to look ahead to it um obviously as fans we love to look ahead of those to those huge fights we saw how much the reception she got in in cardiff is brilliant i mean
3: surely that'll be times a
2: hundred if she's fighting Savannah.
3: Yeah, and of course look, look uh, Clarissa Shields, you know, I think the two two trailblazers have been Katie Taylor and Clarissa Shields up to now let's say. Uh, Savannah beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs, turned professional a little bit under the radar, very shy she mentioned it earlier, didn't really you know, her performances weren't they were good, but uh, you knew there was more in her but I think the last couple of performances, you know, I think she's really started to believe in herself, her confidence is high and she's, you know, the, that has reflected in the performances, she really has, uh, she looks like a different fighter, uh, and, but I think also in the way that she carries herself outside of the ring, she's kind of growing into that role as a, as a champion, she's uh, in her interviews, she speaks well, um, so, you know, her profile's growing all the time. Uh, what else stands out for you on this card? Um, do you know, I've, I, I, I like Brad Ray. I've, I've really enjoyed his uh, his last few fights. His, uh, he knocked out uh, Cutler in a round, then he had a great ding-dong up here against Jez Smith. looked like he uh, might have had him out of there in the first round, had him down with a body shot, but then he ended up being a, a, a cracker of a fight. Uh, and then, of course, against Craig McCarthy in Manchester, you know, one of the knockouts, it will be one of the knockouts of the year. So, you know, if he can keep that sort of, he can he can get that continuity, that sort of momentum going, going from strength to strength, performance, one after the other. You know, his profile, his reputation, it's starting to grow.
2: Yeah, he's a bit under the radar, isn't he? Is he definitely one to keep an eye on?
3: Yeah, well, we, look, he's where he is, you know, he's, he, he hasn't won a, an English title yet. He's a prospect, but he's moving nicely, and he's he's, he's standing out on the undercards of these shows, you know, he, look, everyone loves a knockout, and he, he you know, and he was in a great fight. You know, he's had in his last three performances as he stepped up the level of opposition. He's he stepped up the level of his performances. You know, he's had, the, like I say the C- Cutler and the uh, McCarthy knockouts were first round big knockouts, and then a fight with Jeff Smith was a, you know, it was a cracker. It probably should have been on the the, t- the televised part of the card. Uh, we missed a trick there, really, not having one. So, um, you know, if he can continue with that sort of form, oh, yeah, it's I'm not going to be long before he's knocking on door for titles. I think it, I think the English title he said it'd be his. Uh, immediate short-term goal. Then you just, you know, and, and, and listen. That's not a bad way to do things. Everyone has the dream of <laughs> yeah, going all the way, but right. no, not everyone gets right. to go all the no, way. No, but if they, you know, no everyone, no. what you want to do with the fight is achieve your potential, okay. and uh, someone, you someone need someone goals. You know everyone, who I who think everyone that yeah. achieves and is successful sets goals for themselves. So you got the long-term goal, medium and short-term. I think short-term goal for him is probably to become English champion. Then maybe looks to move on to become British champion. But you know, none of that happens if he gets beaten on Saturday night. So. He's got to keep his eye on the ball, stay focused, got an experienced opponent here in front of him, maybe at the tail end of his career, but nonetheless, uh, Brad's got to make sure he's on the ball on Saturday. I just want to talk about a few standout stars from Boxer so far. Obviously, Caroline Dubois looked
2: brilliant on debut, and then brilliant last time out, getting an early stoppage, as well as Adam Azim as well. I mean, are these sort of the guys you're looking at and girls you're looking at being the front runners of the you know the, the face of the face of boxing over the next you know five, ten years?
3: Yeah, I mean, long term probably. They're, they're, they're prospects at the minute, aren't they? Adam Azim, young kid, really, but he's looking good and he's getting rave reviews and people. That I've seen him in the gym sparring, maybe better opponents. have said no, he, he acquits himself really well. He's he's top 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 draw. So we can't say that yet because we haven't we haven't you know the level of opposition had been you know what it what it has been as you would expect for this uh, for, for where he's at. But he's uh, you know his last performance was a step up, uh, and he blasted the guy out of there in like 20 seconds or something. It was. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it was it was quick. And then uh, you know, Carol, I thought Caroline Dubois looked really good. She was, uh, I thought she looked good on her debut, but probably rushed her work a little bit. Was over eager, but I think on, on Saturday, um, girl, she was really good. Body shots that got the job done, spiteful.
2: Yeah, for sure, she was brilliant. Um, just looking into the world of boxing, obviously. We're still not far away from the huge fight at Wembley coming up with Tyson Fury versus so Dillian White. I mean, I've been extremely perplexed almost with how the build-up's been going. It's been very quiet, not much of an undercarving being released either. I mean, how is, is it strange to be have such a huge fight and to be so much, sort of, a lot of questions about it, especially with Dillian White, you know, obviously not turning up for the press conference?
3: Well, I think Dillian was upset that... The WBC ruled that you know the with, with the split on the purse, uh, you know I think he was kind of holding out. They made an offer, and he was holding out for more. Uh, he went to purse bids, Frank Warren and top rank won the bid, and it is what it is. And I think um, he's felt hard done by. Hasn't really sort of wanted to play ball. Or do anything cooperate? Cooperate really with the promotion of, of the event. So I think then they've kind of. This is me looking from the outside in. It look then, then I think they have basically not retaliated but thought well, f you then. You know if you're not going to play, if you're not going to play ball, we we won't do anything more than we. in inboxing the certain things that are, it's just a given, like you know certain tickets or complimentary tickets or stuff like this. Um, but. It's just an unsaid thing, I don't think it, they're necessary, but I think what, 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 what it looks to me like, what, what Frank's more, more or less saying is like, well if you don't want to do, if you're only going to do what you're contract, contractually obligated to do, we're only going to do what we're contractually obligated to do, so then it's like... It's quite strange isn't it, because it's, it's a monster fight. Monster fight, but... You know, I, there's contracts. So there'll be minimums. Of, there'll be obli- there'll be obligations that you have to fulfil, or you'll be in breach of contract. But the, normally, that would people would would do would do more stuff. You know, there's just you know, just you don't have you don't have to. But it's just kind of a given that you would do like go, like going to the press conference. And, and I don't know, I don't know the situation. I don't know what's in the contract, so I could be wrong. But normally, there's usually a clause where you'll. That will say that you'll promote the uh you know you'll you pro- you'll promote the event that I think Frank mentioned it on the thing about his social media, hasn't posted anything so you know it, I don't know again, I'm not I don't know the terms but I gotta make that clear. <laughs> I even, you know, picking up on me, but it was a uh, I don't know, yeah, messy, messy situation. Hopefully we get a really good fight at the end of it. Um
2: are you picking Fury to be a clear winner there even if if he looks about boxing more if he tries to take it to him? I
3: think I think I think you can't pick it. Against Fury, um, you know he beat um, he beat Deontay Wilder both ways, didn't they? I boxed him the first time, even though they gave him the draw. I thought he won, uh, and then the, the other two times he took it to him. So yeah, you you wouldn't know what to expect. Um, yeah, but Dillian Dillian's a good fighter. He's earned his shot. He's dangerous, um, so certainly Tyson has to be at the top of his game. But I think if he's at the top of his game, then you know he's a pretty strong favourite. Yeah, just last few here. Um, obviously, we saw that
2: incredible Lee Wood versus Michael Conlon fight a couple of weeks back, and then Josh Josh Warrington winning the world title again last week. Just how exciting are those? Is the you know the, the perspective of having Josh Warrington versus Lee Wood, and also how good a fight was the, the Lee Wood Michael Conlon fight as well?
3: I was an unbelievable fight. I was at it, and uh, you know, obviously, wanted Nick to win. I managed him when he turned pro, and was rooting for him. Uh, but you know, credit credit to, to Lee Wood. He, he, um, he, he came from behind. He, you know. I thought Mick was going to stop him. To be honest, when he dropped him in the first, he, I thought he was out on his feet in the second. I think Mick if he'd have put his foot on the gas, he might have got him out of there. Um, and, and even in the middle rounds, he looked like he was hurting him to the body and he, he, he didn't seem confident in there at all, Lee Wood, but Mick faded off a little bit. Lee Wood obviously stuck in there, started having more success and, and listen, credit where it's due. He, he, he came back and needed a knockout and, and, and he got it. Now, Josh Warrington, you know, was flying high, wasn't he? And then he had that loss to Lara and then he they had the, the rematch, but it was like um, the clash of heads. It was an inconclusive finish to it. But, you know, he, you know, and then, then Galahad beats, uh, sorry, Martinez beats Galahad. It's but Boxing's mad, isn't it? How it can happen. And then all of a sudden you've got um you know, Martinez and Warrington, and, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, I, going into that fight, I definitely thought, all right, I'll go with Warrington, but you, you don't know how he's really going to be after that Lara uh, last but credit to him, he uh, he just he just went after him, didn't he? As, uh, and that's how he should fight every fight, because that's, that's where his strength is, his tenacity, his volume, his fitness and work rate, and his just his sheer desire and will to win. That's where, that's where he's, you know, he's, that's where he stands out. That's his. That's his assets. Uh, I think Warrington against Lara the first time, he was trying to box a bit, and that's when he was getting caught at the end of these big shots. Where really he's not that type of fighter. Warrington's not a boxer. He's someone that jumps on you and drags you into a dog fight. And he, he should He should approach every fight that way. Um, now him against Lee Woods, that's a that's a good fight, but you know, does does Warrington want to fight Lee Woods at the City Ground in Nottingham, or does he want to go and, and see if he can get a big fight in Las Vegas? He couldn't be grudging whatever he did because he's fought so many tough fights, and I think whatever he wants to do, that's what he should do.
2: Yeah, a brilliant fight in uh, in Prospect there. Just last one for me. Um, Obviously, Danny Williams was seen fighting still with a with a horrible horrible ending to his fight. Have um, you seen this? Um, just just your thoughts on? I mean, he, he really should have stopped fighting a long time ago. I mean, what, what's just what your thoughts on the situation? Oh, it's just so
3: sad, isn't it, that he's boxing and really, you know, boxing. Boxing doesn't see all, so all the issues in boxing, I suppose, are preventable, would be preventable, if there was one global governing body like a FIFA. But you, it's too easily divided and conquered. You know, people can just go to a different commission or a different country or, a, you know, or a different yeah. state. You know, yeah. You know, and it just, and and, and they'll get. You know, if that if that state or that commission has had no boxing, they'll and they're relying on the business of this promoter, maybe they'll, they'll sanction it. So it's like, it's it's. It should be boxing. Obviously, You're first to, to answer the question. Of course, he shouldn't be boxing. Not what he shouldn't be boxing years ago, let alone. Now. And it, it, it's really sad and, and dangerous, you know. And it's happening, and we're watching it happen. And people are allowing it to happen, you know. So it's bad. It's bad. It shouldn't be happening. I, but I, but I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Except you would you would like to think that none of these commissions would allow him would, would pass him, but they are. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's sad.
2: Yeah, it is very sad. Um, obviously look what Um, good luck for uh, good luck for being a Saturday night. Enjoy enjoy the big card in Newcastle St James Park. And uh, thanks for talking to down the course.
4: Yeah, well, Hey my fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel by clicking this icon right here, and hit the bell button below so that you can receive an alert every time we upload a new video.
0: Hello, and welcome to a Boxing Insider Special. This is part three of our exclusive interview with Frank Warren, and you're gonna to wanna to watch the end because there are fireworks ahead. And before you do anything else, like and subscribe, so you don't miss out on any of our boxing content, and there's plenty on the way ahead of our exclusive coverage of Tyson Fury's huge fight against Dillian White on the 23rd of April. Frank, we've spent a lot of time looking backwards, but now I want to look forward when it comes to the career of Tyson Fury, and we spoke about that trilogy, the incredible trilogy between Tyson and Deontay Wilder. In the days that followed that, many felt that that maybe Tyson would walk away from the sport. What was your reading and your feeling on the
1: situation at that point? I think there's two things with that. One, I think I don't think he's got anything else to do in the sport. You know, he's beat he's beat the two best heavyweights for vari- for the class's best heavyweights for various reasons. One, Klitschko, beyond doubt, was the best of his generation. Deontay Wilder, hardest punching, statistically the hardest punching heavyweight ever for me certainly the hardest punching heavyweight out there in the last 30 odd years no doubt about that and he and he and he you know as we know beat beat, really beaten three times got robbed the first time um so he's got nothing else to do but there's another side of it it's not about what he has to do it's what actually with the problems he's had in the past he's meant you know the mental issue of of his life what he needs to do and, and the training seems to be for him so th- there's there's that part of it and obviously everybody was trying to or we were really working hard trying to make the Usyk fight because that again never been a four everybody hold the four belts it's never happened and that would have been fantastic for him he says he's not interested in the history of boxing and that he is he, he doesn't think he is but he is because he's a great boxing historian and all the fighters he talks about is all what they've historically what they've done you know the history of, and their part in history And that, for me, is he gets those four belts. No one, I don't think anybody will top that for a long, long time because they'll fragment afterwards. Mm. No doubt about that. But he's, you know, he's got this fight coming up against somebody who's been hanging around for was it 1,200 days, whatever it is. Uh, Not for not down to us or anybody. You know, you've got to look elsewhere to blame that on to somebody. But he's been hanging around, but he's got his opportunity now, and it's a big fight and we put we we paid a record purse bid for it. It's a record amount of money being out spent from our from any boxing perspective on any show boxing show in the UK. It's the highest grossing event that's ever taken place at Wembley Wembley Arena on a single day. And that I mean just boxing, I mean anything they've ever had. Um, we didn't get any help whatsoever from Dillian White. It's quite sad that you know we didn't get any help for him. They haven't adhered to the contract or the contractual commitments as far as publicity is concerned. But you know what? I've sat back and said to Tyson, when we're having all this rubbish going on about private jets and all the various other stuff that's well documented, um, I said, you know what? You, you haven't fought here for four years. This is Tyson Fury show. The, you know. I listen to the cab driver or people if I'm you know, having a drink or in a pub. When's Tyson coming back? That's all you get. When we're gonna see Tyson? Well, he's back. And you know what? They wanted to see him. I don't care who he was fighting, he would have done the same thing. That show sold out, truthfully sold out, in under three hours. Online, which is a fact. You look at Ticketmaster, hundred and seventy one thousand people in a queue for tickets, two hundred and fifty odd thousand inquiries. That was the attraction of Tyson Fury. And Deontay, sorry, uh, Dillian White could have been a massive part of being there at the start of this and part of that and building his profile. I mean, nobody knows him in the States. In the States, he'd, build his, he'd start building himself. I mean, it's not too late now, I hope, for him to, to get involved. But anyway, the bottom line is it's the Tyson, it was Tyson Fury's homecoming and they came out for him. And they came out for him for a reason, because he's the biggest character in boxing and in my opinion, the biggest character, in in certainly in br- British sport and maybe world sport, is a character. Well, the one fight that you mentioned that
0: a lot of fans wanted was that unification. Alexander Usyk against Tyson Fury after what yeah. Alexander did against Anthony Joshua. In yeah. terms of your conversations with Usyk's team, how close were you to, to striking a deal for that fight to be made?
1: We were quite close to getting it done. We were very close to getting it done. But, you know... The, the, the WBC put out there, if you remember, it's before Christmas 2020, um, Tyson said, I want to be out again. You know, he had one fight in two years again because of COVID and and, uh, and and the lockdown and so forth. So he had one fight, so he wanted to get out and we, we were going to fight, he was going to fight, I should say, in February. And then the WBC put the thing out, so we said, right, OK, we're going, let's get rid of this obligation. So, we, you know, we won the purse, but as you know, and, and that's been pushed back to April. Um, Usyk's, think about it, it wouldn't have happened anyway, with a terrible mm. situation in Ukraine. It wouldn't have happened. He, would have, he wouldn't have fought because of what the war was going on. And Usyk, by the way, wasn't going to be ready till June anyway. So it just would not have happened. So we are where we are. And... If he comes through, because anything can happen in heavyweight boxing. You know, there's no foregone conclusions. Anything can happen. Big guys letting bombs go. Any anything can happen. But if he comes through, and Usyk fights Joshua, the winner of that fight, and Tyson is mega. It's a mega mega fight. Do you
0: think that will happen? Because. Tyson threw threw a spanner in the works at the press conference we were at a few weeks ago when he he told a few people that, that this will be it, this fighting against Dillian White will be my final fight.
1: Well, if it is, it is, and we'll all that we'll go along with that because no one's going to ch- you know no one's going to try and change his mind. If that's how he feels, that's how he feels. But if he doesn't, and as I've said, what happens happens. Then everybody will buy into it. But if he doesn't want to fight on, then he doesn't. Then 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 that's it. That's how it'll be. There was so much talk
0: for a while about step aside deals with Dillian White and with Anthony Joshua. And Eddie Hearn has consistently said that Anthony Joshua turned down the money to have this step
1: aside. That's what is true. your reading of the situation? It's not true. It's not true. Right at the, right at the, the death, before the WBC uh, ordered the fight, he asked for another five million. And that is a fact. That That's what happened. 100% what happened. Do you think he was quite prepared to take the step aside deal then i think so i do think so yeah i do think so i don't think he beats Usyk next time listen anything can happen i don't think but looking at him and Usyk, all i do is look at a fight and see see what your physical attributes are you know you look at two fighters right has this guy got a longer reach is he a better got better chin is he a better boxer he's a he was a much bigger guy than Usyk, and only had a Couple of fights and didn't look. You know, I mean, didn't look brilliant at that weight, did he? And, you know, against Chisora, and that, he didn't look like he was a fantastic addition to the heavyweight scene, Seen, albeit he was a great, great cruiserweight. I'm not going to take that away. He was an excellent cruiserweight. And so you thought that Joshua would have been too big for him. You thought he, he, he you know, he, he, his reach would be too much for him. But it wasn't. I mean, Usyk figured him out. Like in round one, he got on him. And what surprised me, where you expect like a smaller guy like him coming up away, so he's got to use his attributes, and what would that be? To get underneath get underneath Joshua's jab under his reach and, and work inside. He was beating him on the jab on the outside, which I was quite surprised at. And Joshua at times didn't even look like he wanted to be in there. Was, and I can't remember what round it is. He clips him in, in, in one round, and he was all over the place. And right at the end, right at the death of that fight, they were about to throw the towel in. If that had been the 11th round, they would have thrown the towel in the stops. He, he was gone. So what is he going to bring back? I mean, Usyk's going to be more comfortable now, you would think, at that weight now. Problem is, obviously, he's been in the Ukraine and all this, what's going on there, so I'm sure his mind's not being on boxing. But if he gets himself into, into boxer mode, and if he does fight, and he's 100% up there mentally, I, I just don't see what Joshua... Joshua, I really do fancy him to beat him. So if, if Tyson wins and Usyk wins, we can easily make that fight.
0: We await confirmation to see when that fight will take place between Joshua and Usyk. But one fight we do know is happening next month between Tyson Fury and Dillian White. Live on TalkSport. We're delighted to have that fight of Frank. But for whatever reason... There's been issues in the build-up to this fight. You've had time to negotiate with with Dylan's team. Why has it been so problematic from the very moment this fight was ordered, the moment you won the purse bids, it feels like it's still going on. There's still this saga ongoing.
1: You're absolutely right. Why? You, you, you started off what you asked in the question by saying it was negotiated. Yeah, it was negotiated. There was a negotiation period and terms weren't reached. If you can't reach terms, you then go to purse bids. And the purse bid, the winning promoter, gets rights. He gets the sole rights for the fight. He gets the rights to the, the build-up for the fight of all um, the filming. He gets the rights to sell the fight around the world, sell the tickets, everything. It's not another negotiation. That's it. You, you send the contract to the lawyer. the lawyer. His lawyer received the contract and signed the contract, got Dillian to sign it after advising him. In that contract, all the things they've asked for since are not in there. Not in there at all. Not one of the things he's asked for is in the contract that he advised his, con- his client to sign. Not one thing. In the contract, it says economy tickets, because that's the standard thing for a purse bid. Not a private plane. It doesn't say about escrows. Nothing in there about escrow accounts. Nothing in there about ticket allocations. Not a thing. And we were quite willing to to make this a bit smoother. Of course, you know, we'd sort something out with tickets. Private plane, I don't want to give him a private plane, but when it was a, he's not going to show up for the press conference, give him a private plane. Escrow, we'll put the money in escrow. We agreed to two things, then they want another 10. So it went nowhere. So it's all well documented. And I was on, on Talksport recently with the lawyer, who I thought made himself look a complete brat, asking for stuff that's not there. We are where we are. All we expect now is the contract that we got to be honoured. And he has obligations in that contract to be honoured. And if he doesn't honour him, we'll sort that out after the fight. As long as he's there on the night, as long as he weighs in, as long as he's there on the night, we'll move ahead with it. But we have honoured our contract. And i prove a point. If we hadn't honoured it, and been honourable in all what we're doing, you heard that, lawyer. Do you not think he'd be suing us?
0: So as far as you're concerned, you're delivering everything that's within the contract, far as which I'm concerned, all parties As far signed. as
1: everybody's concerned. As far as the WBC's concerned, as far as the British Boxing Board's is concerned, as far as my lawyer's concerned, we've done everything. Money, you win the purse bid, you put the 10% in, that went into escrow. The date and venue had to be uh, determined within a few whatever, a period of time. We delivered on that. Pick up the phone and ask the WBC if we've done everything above board, 100%. All our contract, contractual commitments have been honoured. He breached his contract with the very first thing he had to do, which was to shut up a press conference.
0: Why do you think Dillian and his team are behaving in this way? Why do you think he's been so silent? Is he taking out his fury, which he has about the split with the WBC, out on you
1: and the promotion for this fight and this event? But it's not we don't de- we didn't determine the split and the, and the split was really quite simple how they work these splits out. It's based upon He aren't going about entering champion he lost the fight in between. but also they base it on the purses that you've earned and his last purse was three hundred thousand. Tyson's last purse lodged with the WBC was 21 million and that's how they determine what the split. In fact, if you look at the monies they earned. It should be less than twenty percent, but that's the least it can be. So that's what that's what he's getting. That's not my that's not my doing. That's that that's how it is. We're being we're being penalised for winning a purse bid, which ha- if we hadn't won it, he'd be getting two million less fighting for matchroom, and one million less on the upside. Because remember, he does have an upside of four million if he wins this fight. So there is an upside there for him if he wins the fight and it's quite frustrating for me and for everybody involved that we're having to keep explaining something away that you know legally we we we're, we're absolutely on the money and and morally from his solicitor's point of view they should be doing the right thing he advised him to sign the contract and why is he doing it he's got a couple, he's got these advisors around him he's got one guy around him what's his name J J Patrick they, they've been into BT, they went up to BT, tried to do something up there, asked him for stuff that they couldn't weren't you know, they were never... What were they even, asking for? They were asking for tickets and various, all, all sorts of things, flights and money and escrows. What are you going to BT to contracts with me? Or with Queensbury? They've written, they've written to last week, written to a top ranks saying they mustn't use his photograph. What? Wrote, told us we can't use his photograph on a poster how is that helping a promotion so i don't think he's being advised at all correctly and sensibly and i can't for the life of me think that he must be looking to think to himself do you know what why am i in this position how's this has how this come about i had some people who actually wanted to put the put the money into escrow we're willing to do it. He's sitting in in an escrow account in a bank right now. That could be the switch to him. Why didn't that happen? If I was him I'd be thinking, who's advised me? What what, what advice am I getting here? It's crazy stuff. I mean, you know, it's just it's madness. I don't I, I don't know where he's got with this and I don't know why. I have no idea why he's behaving the way he's behaving.
0: It's great news from your point of view. The event sold out in a matter of hours. It's going to do huge numbers. It will be watched by millions around the world. But has Dillian White's silence
1: disappointed you? Very much so. Because I'm a promoter. I want this to be a successful event. It's, it, it should disappoint him. You know, ESPN are broadcasting this back in the States. They're the biggest sports broadcaster in the world, and certainly in America he doesn't even want to he doesn't even want to do the normal things that you do where you spend half a day with the broadcasters bt and and and, and, and uh espn they want to want to go to the gym talk to him like you do normal stuff like he's done in every fight he's had up until this one like he appeared at every press conference he had up until this one like his last fight he got three hundred thousand. And we're paying him thirty time thirty-two times more than he got for his last fight. But we're an en- we're the enemy. Where's the logic to this? Course, I'm disappointed. I'm very disappointed with it. It's it's totally unprofessional. And if we go down this road, in the future, you're, all you're going to be doing is interviewing me. Instead of fighters, and what, where's that get? what's the public getting out of that? They want to hear the fighter. They want to see what's going on. They want to hear it, listen to him on the radio. How'd you feel about the fight? They want to see He's posting on social media. He's not posted one single thing yet. After after moaning for twelve hundred days, he's not been out to fight for a world title.
0: And final question: As we move towards this big event on April the twenty third, we heard what was said between yourself and Jeffrey Benz on TalkSport are negotiations or, or negotiations the fights will be made but are there talks underway to try and smooth
1: relations as we, as we move towards this I, I, I'm not dealing with Geoffrey Benz how can you deal with you heard him he's a lawyer I mean what, what how many lawyers I've never heard of a lawyer a barrister by the way who's ringing up newspapers and ringing up radio stations why is he doing that I've never heard of that that's no behaviour from somebody who's from a barrister that's no what, 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 the Where he's got it wrong with me, the last person in the world he wants to be trying to bully is me. It, it don't work. It will never work as long as he lives. It's impossible. So, do we? The, we 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 reached out. We tried very hard. BT, a cop went to, spoke to him, sat down, tried to speak to them. Top rank, who are not party to signature to the contract, they spoke to him. I've even heard. Matram say any dealings they've had with the people in the past are a nightmare. I've heard all the journalists say that the team that he's got are a nightmare to deal with. I mean, you probably know better than anybody. You're, a, you know, you're, 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 you're part of the media. Everybody who deals with them, apparently a headache, but this time round, they're the biggest headache ever. But you know what? Just be that. Show up the week. Do you do you contracted? What you got to do contractually? contractually and that's it we'll deal with all that stuff afterwards because it's not forgotten that's for sure his mother who i mean you know his mother he don't want to buy his mum a ticket his mother and whoever her guests come along be my guest they'll have great tickets i'll send a car a limo to pick them up and i'll give them hospitality on the night she'll be looked after like she's my mum if my dear my mum is no longer alive but that's how she'll be looked after we're not we're not that type of people we're accommodating people I've never, I've never promoted Dillian White, well, I don't understand all this crap, and I hope it's not him, but at the end of the day, he's the guy getting in the ring, he's the boss, but these people around him are a nightmare, a nightmare, and if anybody who listened to that interview the other week on Talk Sport, if they're listening to that, I think anyone with any common sense would see what we're having to deal with. So that was the final
0: part of our exclusive interview with Frank Warren. And if you missed the first two parts, then make sure you check those out. And in the meantime, like and subscribe because there's plenty on the way in a Fury against White on the 23rd of April, live on Talk Sport.
5: Ricky Hatton. Hello, Ricky. Morning, everyone.
4: Legend, Good morning. Ricky, legend.
5: Oh, it's great to see you, Ricky. Great to speak to you as well. Thanks for coming on. Where Thank would you, you like me. to start? Because there's so much to talk about. Tyson Fury, Gillian White. We've got a date for that one now. Um, there's, been a, there's been a lot of, um, I suppose, fireworks between the two promoters, let alone uh, yeah, the two like fighters. Tyson,
6: it t- it's not like Tyson's <laughs> <across> fast <fireworks. laughs> No,
5: absolutely not. Um, how do you see that one playing out?
6: Um, one, I think um, uh, Dillian White's been the number one contender now for about three three years. So um, um, I have a lot of admiration for Dillian White. How he's, he's, he's kept focused You know what I mean. He's had to go on the back burner while you know Joshua and um, Tyson get all the headlines. But now he's got his opportunity. So I'm, I'm very grateful for him. But he's uh, He's played a few silly games himself, has Not just Tyson. and in the, not turning up for the press conference and mm. stuff like that, which is a little bit disrespectful. You know, I mean, you you know you you know you weren't paying money, but obviously if you don't want to publicize the fight, you're not going to get bums on seats, are you? So I think it's it's I think he's been a little bit um, unprofessional in that area. But it's uh, it's a great fight, great clash your styles. Um, and, you know, Tyson's been in some absolutely belters lately, is not he? And uh, it's not nice seeing your mate pulling his backside up off the floor every single <laughs> <all> fight. But, <laughs> I mean, it is entertaining. I will give it that.
0: Ricky, you said there, and you, you're totally right about it. there's been a few silly games from Dillian White. And has that surprised you a little bit? Because he's <clears> waiting, <throat> as you said, that he's waited for so long for this opportunity. The fact that he's going about it in this type of manner, is that the, probably the right way to do it?
6: No, I think I think he's um, I think he's he's let himself down a little bit. He's had a little bit more here and there. I mean, he was waiting for his opportunity, as you, you just said, and it, uh, <clears throat> it seems to have taken forever. But now he's here. You think he'd be, you know, he'd be jumping through through hoops. But I think um, he wasn't happy with the. So, so I'm, I'm led to believe. I believe he wasn't happy with the purse he was given which is the biggest purse of his career by an absolute mile, and then uh, not turning up at press conferences to plug the fight I mean he's wanted this fight for as long as we can remember and um, and he, he, he seems so, I hope he's not listening to this he's done it out a little bit, he? which I think was a little bit unprofessional But What, uh,
5: did, he, what did he say about you Ricky?
4: That's right.
6: That's why that's why I slag people. But <laughs> <laughs> I, <mean. laughs> so I have a lot of respect for Dillian and I'm absolutely delighted he's got his opportunity, but um do, do you know what I mean? There's mm. just um, it always seems to happen with boxing a little bit of silly
4: beggars, doesn't it? And it's uh, it's happened again. Do you think um that- that Dylan White has to go for the knockout, or do you feel can you see it go in the full rounds?
6: No, I think he has to go for the knockout. I mean, let's let's have it right. I mean, he, he's not gonna, um, he's not gonna outbox uh Tyson Fiori, he's not gonna outspeed Tyson Fury. Tyson, you know, Tyson for for you know for, for you know for a giant six foot ten, mm. he's, he's so versatile. He, he showed in uh, his last fight and previous fights that he can. Stand close and mix it up. He yeah. can box southpaw, he can box orthodox, he can box from a distance. He's great defensively. So there's no point in Dillian going out there thinking he can outbox Tyson, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because he because he can't. He's got to go for the for the for the knockout and uh, you know try and get that big one in. And Tyson's been on his backside a few times, hasn't he? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You know, so Dillian will know he is capable of landing that shot and beating Tyson. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about what Tyson Fiori turns up. I think Tyson's turned up to it in. Tyson lately has been fighting like a 6 foot 10 Rocky Marciano hasn't he yeah.
5: <laughs> he wants to <laughs> go to war he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. wants to go
6: to war he's the of everyone at the minute and I, I think for this fight I think we want to see a bit of the old Tyson Fury distance you know try and break Dillian down a little bit you know let the storm blow itself out a little bit and mm. then come on in the latter round but I think Dillian's got to go in there and he's got to go for the knockout because I, I can't see him winning on points mm.
5: Ricky tell us a bit about um, Box Park Wembley is hosting a uh, Fury Fest. So that's on the twenty third. Who's going to be there? What is it? Uh, it's just an afternoon. The are bringing some
6: former world champions. I believe there's Lennox Lewis. Um, there's, there's Lennox Lewis. Uh, Joe Kalzaki. Joe out, Cal- mm. Joe, Cal- Joe Uh We're having like um, uh, a dinner. So obviously Ricky Fattin will be there. Um- <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <Ricky>. Wow! <laughs> yeah. What are you uh, doing to yourself? Uh, yeah, and I'm doing me. I'm doing me. I'm uh, doing a little bit of me stand up. You know what I mean? So, you know to get the day rolling. And I think Tyson, because of his his personality, the fact he's the best heavyweight in the world. I mean, it's um, when Tyson Fury fights these days, it's it's not just a fight. It's an mm. occasion, isn't it? You know what I mean? Where people can go and you know you know buy a ticket, have a nice you know a- afternoon dinner, you know listen to uh, Lennox Lewis Joe Kawasaki, and meet myself, mm. and it just sets you nicely in the mood for the uh, for the fight at the evening. And what a, you know what. A, <laughs> we can't get better than Wembley Stadium can we we're absolutely bouncing yeah
4: I might be up for that you know you're up for that I'd come, come, come yeah why not is I'll it know,
5: 23rd yeah 23rd
4: let me, of let me just check the role it. <laughs> Ricky I've always wanted to ask this
0: question and you've mentioned him there and it's completely off topic but Lennox Lewis you spoke about him there and Tyson Fury who would win in a, in a, in a fight in your opinion
6: Oh, no, that's a question.
0: Um, I've always wanted to ask uh, it to someone who'd know the answer. I'm to
6: give you the answer. I hope Tyson and Lennox aren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, you know what? I wouldn't like to say. I said it. I think it'd be a real flip of the coin um, thing. Do you, do, do you know what I mean? I think they're both exceptional. You know, you probably look... I mean, Tyson's still going now, but when you look at the heavyweights, you know, through boxing history, you know what I mean? I mean, Muhammad Ali would always be the greatest, and there's, 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 there's so many out there. But, I mean, you'd have to put Lennox Lewis and Tyson certainly in the top 10 heavyweights wow. of all time, wouldn't you? Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? They're absolutely phenomenal. That would be an absolute fight. I would. I really wouldn't like to say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna sit on the the, the fence. Mm. You know, big, heavy fence like, But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I think I think it's a real pickem. It's a real pickem. I mean, Leonard Lewis was such a masterful boxer, but Tyson such a box of tricks and so hard to figure out. Into you know. So yeah. uh,
5: I really wouldn't like to say, mate. No. Um, just for people that are listening that fancy it and you Carlton Carl because I know you fancy it as well if you want to get tickets and um, they start from about £40 um, available at boxpark.co.uk have a little look at that um, like you say Joe Calzaghi, Lennox Lewis Ricky's going to be there as well Al Foran the comedian who I love I just think he's amazing, really funny as well there's loads of memorabilia from um, official Gypsy King merchandise that's going to be there DJs, competitions, food all sorts of things so that is at Box Park, Box Park Wembley 23rd of April, um, Fury Fest. Looking forward to that, but I need to get your thoughts on Manchester City. I can't let you go, Ricky, mm. without getting your thoughts on, on City tonight. Atletico to Madrid, how do you think well, that's going to go? Um, I fancy us tonight. I think, um, I think we, we lost a little bit of form, um,
6: you know, over the last uh, few weeks. I think one we played, um, sport in Lisbon, and we really, um, I think we beat 1 5 no, don't we? And we absolutely played. I think it's probably one of the best we've played all season, if not the best. And then for some reason, uh, the wheels fell off a little bit, didn't they? Liverpool caught us up in the league and, 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 and that, but we had a good win, you know, just just 2-0 against Burnley, but I believe it, it was it was a comfortable win. And we seem to have got our, um, our mojo back and our form back a little bit now and hopefully we can put it into, that into in, take that into tonight's game. I mean, um, I, I, I've thought for the last two years we were going to win the Champions League and, you know, for, for whatever reason it hasn't happened and this you know I want to turn around and say I'm confident we're going to this will be, be our year but I don't want to talk it up too much because yeah. I've been doing that for the last two years but uh, no uh, looking forward to the, to, to the game tonight i to go Madrid really really good team but I think uh, I think City have shown and I think i like to think you'd agree with me when they are in full flight full swing and on top form they're the best team in the Champions League you know what I mean and yeah um, mm. It's about putting it together on the night, isn't it, though? That's, the, that's been the problem last you know we've, we've looked great, looked sensational. And then right at the final hurdle, the wheels have come off. We need to get it right this year.
5: Ricky, we could speak to you for hours, but I imagine you're a busy man. We'll let you go. Thank you for your time.
6: Cheers. My pleasure. Cheers, nice to speak Ricky. to you all. Talk Sport Breakfast with Laura Woods, Monday to Wednesday morning, 6 till 10. On AM, on DAB, via the Talk Sport app and on your smart speaker. Talk Sport. Hey guys, Tyson Fury here, just a quick update, um, let you all know that camp's going really well, less than three weeks out, cannot wait to see you all there in the big smoke at Wembley Stadium, Dylan White is getting knocked the fuck out, man, cannot wait, see you all there, all my loyal fans, God bless you all. Welcome Team Everlast to the Team Everlast Fitness
0: Download the Everlast Fitness app and find your greatness within.
4: Somebody in my Element group posted this picture of Tyson Fury. It's apparently recent. I can't confirm that, but this is the claim that it's a recent picture of Tyson Fury. And people are speculating that he's going to come in around the 260s, which is a lot lighter than he's been in recent fights based upon how he looks here. Personally, I'm not willing to jump to that conclusion just yet because they say the camera never lies. It actually does, particularly when it comes to camera angles, perspective and so on. I mean, a few years ago, Andy Ruiz was the absolute king of catfishing by using different camera angles to make himself look like he'd lost a load of weight then he'd turn up on the scales and it'd be as heavy as ever, sometimes heavier than ever. In fact, there was a picture that Andy Ruiz posted in the lead up to the AJ rematch that made him look like he was a lot lighter than he was for the first fight. And he actually turned up much heavier. Okay, so the camera does lie. You have to be careful with different angles. Now I'm not saying that Tyson Fury isn't lighter than he's been in recent fights. I'm not saying that he isn't gonna come in in the 260s. I'm just saying that me personally, I don't want to jump to that conclusion just yet because camera angles can be very deceiving. And in this particular instance, Tyson Fury is laid down. So when you're laid down like that, the fat, right, that you have around your midriff can sink to the sides and to the back. And of course, his feet are closer to the camera than his midriff is. So again, that's going to throw off the perspective. You're going to think that the midriff is smaller than it actually is in relation to the feet and the legs. So I'd like to see a picture, in fact, preferable to a picture, I'd like to see video of Tyson Fury standing up. Then we'll see what he actually looks like. Then we'll be able to make a realistic assessment, a realistic prediction of how heavy he's going to come in or how light he's going to come in for this Dylan White fight. So I've been thinking for a while about what tactics Tyson Fury will use here. And I thought that the, not necessarily most obvious, but the most sensible tactics for me would be to just move around and force Dylan White to come forward because Dylan White is not. Contrary to what people say and comparing Dylan White to Derek Chisora, Derek Chisora is an out-and-out pressure fighter. Dylan White is not. Dylan White is a boxer puncher. He's actually not as good at coming forward and just out-and-out attacking as Derek Chisora is. He doesn't have a skill set that has developed as much as Derek Chisora's skill set to do that specific thing—come forward, duck underneath shots, come upstairs with hooks—he hasn't developed that particular skill, that particular ability to the degree that Chisora has. His other abilities are developed far beyond Chisora. His counter punching, f- you know, punch fighting on the back foot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's where Dylan White is far better than Chisora in terms of the pressure fighting. No, Chisora's a better pressure fighter than Dylan White. Okay, so. I thought that the most logical thing for Tyson Fury to do would then be to use that area that Dylan White is not a specialist in, which is pressure fighting, against him. Force Dylan White to come forward. Force Dylan White to come looking for Tyson Fury. Force Dylan White to throw shots and throw himself off balance, et cetera, so Tyson Fury can counter him, so Tyson Fury can wear him down, so he can hit him with a jab, so he can ping him with counters coming in. You see it? The only caveat I'll add is that Dylan White has a better jab than Derek Chisora. So when Dylan White's coming forward, he's not just bobbing and weaving and looking for hooks and stuff like that. He's more conservative with what he's doing, generally speaking. Derek Chisora is just on smoke. He's bobbing and weaving, coming forward, he's looking to hit you, big overhand rights and left hooks. Dylan White is coming in behind a jab. He's jabbing, he's jabbing, he's jabbing. He's trying to maneuver you in, in a slower way than Derek Chisora into a position where he can get close enough to start unloading. And that jab might be an issue for Tyson Fury, even if he moves back, although Tyson Fury does have the longer arms, the longer reach than Dylan White, so he should still be able to handle that. But if there's one thing that Dylan White has coming forward that Derek Chisora didn't have, it's that jab. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below about how Tyson Fury looks here. Are you, like me, a bit cautious in terms of declaring that he's lost loads of weight and he's gonna come in it too? Again, that might be true, but judging on pictures I've seen in the past of other fighters, I don't want to jump to that conclusion just yet because the camera angles can mess you up and it can make you think that somebody's a lot lighter than they actually are. <laughs> you got these, these boxers catfishing the public out here. So I'd like to see actual video footage of Tyson Fury before I say, okay, yeah, he's going to come in in the 260s. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. And also, do you think it's a good thing for Tyson Fury? to be coming in as light as, let's say, the 260s for this fight against Dylan White? Or do you actually think that it's better for him to be a similar weight to what he was in, let's say, the Wilder rematch or the Wilder trilogy fight? Let me know what you think about that and why. Explain why. If you think he's better heavier, tell me why. Is it because of strength? Do you think he drains himself too much to get down to 260, 250? Do you think that will play into Dylan White's hands? Do you think he needs to be more physical against the guy who's very rough like Dylan White and needs to have the extra weight to be able to, you know, tie him up and calm him down? Do you think that if he comes in 260, he's gonna be easier for Dylan White to actually rough up on the inside? These are all the questions I'd like you guys to answer. So yeah, let me know in the comments below. If you're tired of the biased narratives and mass censorship on mainstream platforms, and you wanna be part of a community of critical thinkers who love free speech just as much as you do, then come and join me on Patreon and access my weekly no holds barred censorship-free podcast where we lift the lid on a wide variety of controversial topics. It's not mainstream friendly, it's not politically correct, but that's the whole point. We dare to stand as a beacon of reason against an army of insanity. Just head on over to my Patreon page and select the tier called Hatman Hot Topics. You'll gain access to a minimum of two hours of exclusive content every single week, including podcasts, videos, interviews, live stream Q and A's, as well as my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. Not to mention a vast back catalog of hundreds of hours of previous episodes. You can listen via the Patreon app with the option to download in high quality MP3. We've also got an element group where you can come and chat and hang out with myself and other members. Unlike Discord, it has full end-to-end encryption, it's decentralized, and it's 100% censorship-free. You can also send voice notes, as well as much larger audio and video files than you can on Discord. So come and sign up on Patreon. There's no contract, there's no commitment, you can cancel at any time, and it's cheaper than a cup of coffee. So I'll see you over there. I'm out.
7: Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined once again by Hall of Fame promoter Frank Warren here at the lovely Milo's Restaurant in Piccadilly Circus. Frank, what made you choose the place and didn't know you were a bit Greek? Well, I know you like
1: a bit of Greek food, mate, so I thought this is where we'll be. So you're there and it's, uh, I know you've got a sense of humus, so that's why we're here, mate.
7: <laughs> a sense of humus, indeed I have. Um... Tyson Fury, Dillian White getting ever closer. I believe you were still talking to White's team about his obligations. White's, that is, right up until this morning before we filled our faces and drunk you know, lots and lots of wine. But what can you tell us about that? How close are you to getting an agreement on what he's going to do before the fight? He's
1: contractually, he signed a contract um, back in February to, which, he, which gives him his obligations under that contract and also gives us obligations. And he's got certain obligations there to publicise and help promote the fight. And at the moment, he's in breach um, which is very, very disappointing. But we are where we are. And in the meantime, as you know, we put another 4,000 tickets that the Brink Council allowed us to put on sale today. And uh, thankfully, they're gone. They're all sold. So, you know, the fact that Tyson is back after four years in the UK, having conquered America... Three, three epic fights with Deontay Wilder, he's back here now and I think the British public got a massive appetite to see him live and back in action
7: Tell us if you can what the other side's kind of latest position is on participation, particularly in Fight Week
1: what their, I don't know what their position is, all I know is what a contractual position is
7: but You're talking to them, there are negotiations continuing, what, what's their stance?
1: The negotiation period was there and then you have a purse bid and after the purse bid, you sign a contract, and that tells you both parties' obligations. His obligation is to help promote the fight. There's no, there's no, what's there to negotiate about? He's signed up to do certain things as we did, and that's what he's obliged to do. And are they he's on the missing list? Where is he? You know, he's no social media. There's nothing. This is wrong.
7: Is it? Are they asking you for anything when you have these talks with them to get them to confirm that they'll do what you? They should be doing.
1: The first bone. They want, you know, the you Goons name it, one. you name, you name it, they want it. I think we've gone past that with you, Frank. Yeah, no, tell me about it, mate. No, they, they no, what, what do they want? They ask for tickets. They've asked for being allowed yeah. to put a camera crew in now. Uh, Twenty-four security people. It's all, it's all garbage. I mean, you know, come on. This
7: is just... Has their stance softened at all, though, since all this broke? And obviously, the public opinion seems to be going the other way.
1: So, we, our point of communication is with Jess Bence and Jeff Bence is absolutely. Ridiculous in all the, in, in where he's at. I mean, he, uh, he, he actually said I think it's on one of the radio stations that he was a, a promoter. So I don't know. What, I don't, first of all, I don't know who he ever promoted. Did he promote? Did he have a promoter's license? If he did, no wonder he's no longer a promoter anymore because he doesn't understand the first thing about promoting.
7: Yeah, I think um, I read somewhere he had a promoter's license in California, but no actual shows were put on under that license.
1: Well. <laughs> <laughs> what a shock! You know, you take a promoter's license out and you don't put any shows on. You well, know, that tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? But the bottom line of all of it is, is he, we signed a contract. His co- his client, his client, he advised his client to sign a contract, and that contract is full of what his obligations are, and by the way, what our obligations are. And we fulfilled every one of our obligations. All he keeps doing is going off, off. Centre, of course, coming up with other stuff that's not in the contract. All I want him to do is what's in the contract. All I want Dillian White to do is what is in the contract. Nothing more, nothing less. And up to now, he has not done that. He's in breach. He's not done that.
7: So, you've talked a lot about Dillian White and how disappointing it is that currently, anyway, he's not participating. It's clearly not affected ticket sales. The fight's as big as anyone expected it to be.
1: The fact that Tyson Fury is so big, as I mentioned earlier, back here the first time in four years, three magnificent fights, he's back here, the public buy into Tyson, he's bigger than boxing, he's crossed over, that's what sold this fight, nobody else has sold this fight except Tyson Fury, when we had the press conference, day one, sold 85, or whether it was 90,000 tickets, day one. Today. Another 4,000 have gone on sale, sold like that, Tyson Fury. Not a peep out of anywhere from Dillian, only from his lawyer, Tourville.
7: We're not going to go into why you call him Tourville, but what I should ask is... If it hasn't affected the bottom line, if Tyson's big enough to sell this on his own, why does it seem to irritate you so much that White's not getting involved?
1: Paying him seven and a half million dollars, and he's got an upside of four million. If we had a bid for the fight, he'd be getting two million less fighting for Matchroom and one million less for the upside. Of course, I'm upset. What have we got to say then? We pay fighters to do nothing. What's he getting? What does he think? Where does he think the money jet is generated from? It's generated from the promotion. It's not like, oh, here's a purse bid, here's your money, sod off and show up on the night. Did he do that for any fight that he had for he Tell me, did he not show up for one single fight press conference announcing a show for Matram? You know the answer and I know the answer. No. So why is he doing this?
7: Let me ask you, if you were a betting man, and obviously we know what he's obligated to do, but if you were having to predict now, when do you think we will first see him at an event? Will it be the weigh in? Will it be the press conference? The workout? What do you think?
1: Well, he's, he's obliged to do certain things. That everything he doesn't do is going to be a problem for him afterwards. Because we're not going not, to, you know, a breach of contract is a breach of contract. One thing I've never done is rolled over in my life. I'm not rolling over it for him. That's for sure. So he needs to show up, he needs to meet his obligations, he needs to do all the things that all boxers do when involved in big fights. This guy's getting thirty two times the purse that he got that he lodged with the WBC for his last fight. Why am I the enemy? Why? All we want to do, we're paying him good money. He's getting fortunes. Why is he treating us why is he treating us like the enemy? I don't get it, I don't understand one bit of this, it's
7: beyond me. Now the rumours are that you may have a substitute opponent ready to step in, just in case, why it isn't true to his word, that, or his contract in fact, can you? is there any truth in that?
1: The truth of the matter is that we cover all bases.
7: <laughs> yeah, I was expecting a longer answer there as you might have guessed. Um, so, could all those bases include potentially a replacement opponent? And if so, just hypothetically say, would you have to pay that person even if they're not used?
1: Would you not think an event of this magnitude, of what we've sold, that we would not be covering that scenario? Of course we cover that scenario.
7: Good to know. Let's talk about the undercard, uh, which was announced yesterday. It had a fair bit of criticism, which I thought largely, if I'm honest, was unfair. I thought um, Nick Ball, Isaac Lowe particularly, is a very good fight. Um, and I also thought, Umar and I were discussing this earlier. I said if someone's on the fence about buying the pay-per-view, having a slightly better undercar is not gonna make that difference either way. What do you think though?
1: We bid nine million more than Matram did, the next highest bidders for this fight. So we put a lot of money on to get this main event on. We're governed by expenses and what we can what we can put together for the amount of money. I would have loved Anthony Yard to be on there, but it wasn't possible. I'd have loved for uh, Bob Arum's heavyweight to be on there which unfortunately has not been able to happen but we've got some good even money fights and there'll be there'll be great fights on there. The main event is what matters here. We're not trying to shortchange everybody. The fights on the undercard excuse me will be competitive.
7: Great stuff Frank really appreciate the time.
1: I appreciate yours Dan <laughs>